0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Cannot play with Cannot win with Cannot Can't do it. You're this the game. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice, not again
1: talking about you are now locked in to the clock dodgers podcast
0: clock dodgers podcast what up, what up, what up? Welcome to the Clock Dodgers podcast. I appreciate you guys for joining me today. I, of course, am your host, Neil. Today, as you can see in the title, is a fantasy football edition of the Clock Dodgers podcast. We'll be back in full swing starting with this very episode for, for a fantasy football episode. So I'm excited about that. Um, with me today is uh, Adam, a.k.a. the other FF guy. Welcome to the show, Adam.
1: What's up, Neil? Thanks for having me, man.
0: Now, as you may know or as you may not know, it depends on how long you've been listening to Clock Dodgers, what brought you here originally. We had this very unique, uh, you know, family, audience, uh, consumers of the brand. Uh, you know, we had this unique place because we do all kinds of stuff, right? We don't do this whole, you know, one niche thing and we just beat it into the ground. It's just not what we do. It's not how we roll. So, you know, you may have come here because of a Muhammad masaquai interview about the life-changing experience he had and now how he's moving forward to help others. You may be here because of the neuroscience episode with Ian McLaughlin, uh, where we talked all kinds of crazy stuff about the brain and, you know, uh, all, all these psychology and everything. Or you may be here because of a mot- motivational episode you found um, that, you know, you felt that you needed one day and it helped you and you felt better about yourself. Um, you could be here for one of many reasons. Or it could just be because of the fantasy football content. Um, We have some listeners who come strictly for fantasy football, that's it. And we have ones that do vice versa. And we have ones that stick around for it all. So whichever one you are, great. If for some reason fantasy football is not your thing, I get it. We're still fam. I'll still catch you on the next episode. It's all all good because we'll have the other stuff too. It's not just fantasy football. But this episode is fantasy football. So for those who are longtime listeners, you know how we roll. Uh, We have no agendas. We have no website biases that we have to satisfy. We clear our episodes with nobody. We don't call ourselves gurus, experts, or any other self-serving titles in hopes that you're automatically going to buy into what we say. We have conversations. We debate. We keep it fun. We keep it real. We're not here to bore you to death with numbers and tell you that it's the only way to win. I'm not here to tell you that you have to watch film and it's the end-all be-all. We don't ride fences. We show love. We acknowledge others in the fancy football industry. We also know that everything isn't for everybody. So sometimes we're just going to agree to disagree with you. We work hard at this. We believe in our advice. We're often right. Sometimes we're wrong. Such is life. Throughout the show, we'll mention pop culture, our personal lives, music, other sports, other podcasts, TV shows, politics, and whatever else comes to mind because we're human and that's what we do. In other words, any of your stick to sports comments. They're going to go unnoticed. We apologize in advance if that bothers you, but it's just how we move here. Here's to another great NFL season, another great fantasy football season. We're happy, and we're really looking forward to sharing it with you. Let's stay positive. Let's enjoy it, and let's win some games. Let's win some money, guys. Obviously, me and you, Adam, we're knees deep in the fantasy community. Twitter, we have conversations all day. Uh, Fantasy Life app, I'm on there a lot. Instagram, wherever. And all I keep hearing, man, through this whole, you know, everyone's drafting right now. I mean, some people you know, the drafts are kind of winding down here. This is where they're getting crazy. Or a lot of people are just starting up, I guess. Depends on your league. But, you know, I keep hearing and I keep having these conversations and I keep having these debates. And people are like, running back, running back is the way to go, man. Like, it's the only way to start your draft. Like, it's the smart way to do it. Like, that's the only way it really works. Like, that's the smart way to go. Again, me and you have kind of had this conversation offline, Adam. I understand You know the position that people are taking. I've taken it myself. You know, in some drafts, I draft a lot of drafts, but I've taken it in some. I don't agree a hundred percent. And I know, you know, me and you, like I said, we've kind of talked about this. And I believe you disagree with me to an extreme, to you know, to a sense. But what is your take, just upfront, about people saying, you know, running back, running back is the way to start your draft because running backs are harder to get from the third round on, and wide receivers, you know, good wide receivers are more plentiful in those later rounds.
1: Honestly, it makes it feel like I jumped into a time machine. Like, I feel like I'm at the beginning of the 2000s again. And it's like, uh, everybody has to draft a running back in the first two rounds. It's like, it's the only position that matters. And I mean, while there has been a running back resurgence, what we've seen, if you go over the last decade or even the last five years, is that... Wide receivers have often been the more reliable, more dominant position overall. Um, There's a lot of people who have done great work specifically on the subject, uh, particularly like over at RotoBiz, they've done great work just around the concept and tenets of 0RB, specifically relating to the volatility of the running back position, both based upon injuries and just one-year wonders, guys who flash and then just completely do nothing. Guys like C.J. Spiller come to mind. Uh, Ultimately, You know, we see similar things to the wide receiver position, but to a lesser degree. So I think that the idea behind the running back, running back approach or the push towards drafting running back early just comes from this buildup of confidence that people seem to have in the top 12 running backs or so. And I think that what we're probably going to have occur is what occurs Often, and that's that close to 50% of those guys are going to either struggle or get injured or have something that occurs that causes them to not perform up to their relative draft capital. So I think that, like, at the end of the day, it's easy to look at it and say, hey, these running backs are dominant, these are the ones that are going to be the best, but... I think inside of that there's obviously worries amongst that top 12 and I think that a lot of people have this confidence in those players but I don't think that it's as reliable as everybody wants to make it out to be.
0: Yeah, I mean you like you kind of mentioned how it reminds you of like going back in time because that was like at some point that was like what everybody said but I do feel like I don't know if it's a, a faction of Fancy football players or just, you know, a majority or what, but, like, I feel like every year we do this, and every year it's, like, not really true, but, like, every year people go back to this. I just, I don't know if it's, like, the easy way out or, like, the, the most obvious thing to look at, or I don't know why it's so obvious to people or why people get so, you know, fanatic about it every single year, um, but, you know, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, just me, how I play regularly. I'm kind of a zig when people zag kind of guy, or, um, you know, I'll take more gambles or I, I mean, I just love wide receivers and like PPR backs anyway. So it's easier for me to, you know, tell myself, Hey, just take the good wide receivers right now, the amazing ones. And like, I'll get some backs anyway in the third or fourth round that I like. So it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? Um, so I guess it just kind of confuses me that people get so like gung ho about it. Like, I don't know, man, people like, it's one of those strategies that for some reason people will not like, let go of when you conversate about it. Like. They're so attached to it. And, like, they don't want to, they almost don't want to even see what you're saying. Like, they don't believe you. Do you know what I mean? It's like you're an idiot if you don't get why they're saying it. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it's because people think it worked last year. But <laughs> the ironic thing is that people have this selective memory where they don't remember the fact that guys like Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara were zero running back targets. Essentially, like, if you drafted zero running back last year and started your draft with six wide receivers or more, you were trying to target guys like Kareem Hunt, who's, you know, of course, after Ware's injury, his ADP skyrocketed. But Alvin Kamara was available in, like, the 11th, 12th round of almost every draft. And essentially, like those guys now get lumped in with the idea of early running back because that's when they're going now. But that's not really what happened last year. There wasn't this giant reliability of those top running backs. In fact, uh, while I'm going to let you talk, I'm going to look up because I'm curious because I don't know offhand actually how many top 12 running backs that were drafted last year really had a reliable fantasy finish. So – yeah, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. Like, you. like you said, a lot of times there's running backs that sneak into the top 10 or, you know, that people do get late, and we think, like, oh, you know, that means we have to draft running backs early. But it's not really, like you said, it's not the case half the time. It's these other running backs who sneak into it. I'm trying to think. I'm not looking at the ADP right now in front of me. I have to pull it up. But guys, do you, do you know offhand, like, guys that are going in the third round, running backs typically, like, the kind of the top guys that are going in there, is it, like, Joe Mixon and them? Right, Joe Mixon? In the third
1: round? Yeah. yeah. So right now in the third round, often, um, you're going to see a mix of Joe Mixon, uh, Alex Collins. What's that? McKinnon? Yeah, McKinnon's going in the third, definitely. He was going in the second much earlier, but now with the injury, he's going in the third. Actually, more the late third, turn of the fourth from what I'm seeing. Um, But yeah, McKinnon's going in that range. Uh, Kenyon Drake, Derrick Henry. Yeah. um, That that grouping... um, Which, if I'm being honest up front, that's right now a group that I I have a lot of concerns with. I mean, there's a ton of upside in each of those players, but amongst the reliability of the wide receivers that are going in that range, I I just, I'm not finding myself taking those guys often at all unless they fall to the fourth.
0: Right, so you are, you're finding yourself typically doing the running back, running back though, right? Or are you doing like running back, wide receiver? What are you doing typically?
1: I mean, it it, it really has been kind of a mishmash for me. I mean, I've gone wide receiver, wide receiver in some drafts. I've gone running back, running back, uh, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, running back. I mean, really for me, the first two rounds often just end up being how it falls. I think think a lot of us kind of have this idea that we control snake drafts more than we do. I mean, really, you know, if I end up picking, let's say, fourth in a snake draft, it's more or less the three people in front of me are deciding my pick. I mean, (laughs) most of us have those top four running backs stacked at the front. You might have Antonio Brown mixed in there, in which case then you have a little bit of a decision. Um, But even that, like you're deciding between one or two players. What gets interesting is as fantasy drafts move on, those decisions become exponentially larger and you have many more options. So like for me, the first two rounds, I have a general idea or if not a specific ranking of those top 24 guys or so, and I'm not really caring how my pairing works out, but that's going to adjust how I'm approaching the remainder of my draft. It's yeah. not, it, I mean, the the only reason that uh, I had mentioned you earlier, um, we had talked a little bit off air, I had said that I'd been going more running back, running back this year, than especially in years past. Like, I'm a guy who often has gone zero, or zero running back or had an approach where i'm drafting a running back and a wide receiver early and then drafting a ton of wide receivers um i'm not finding myself doing that as much this year because i too am falling into this idea of a reliability trap that we're having with these top tier running backs and uh dude i think it'd be really interesting to go through them and kind of talk through which ones you're skeptical about because it sounds like you're more skeptical of that idea of approaching a draft running back running back yeah
0: case well no i mean i guess i'm more of you know i'm more of like staying flexible i'm more of letting the draft come to me finding the value when it drops to me like i don't ever go into a draft like i'm going running back running back like there's no way you're taking me off of this do you know what i'm saying like i don't ever do that and i feel like a lot of people are like adamant that like I'm coming out of these first two rounds of running backs. Like, there's nothing else about it. Do you know what I mean? And, like, I don't ever feel that way. I don't ever go in there saying, oh, I'm getting two running backs. You know, even if I don't like the guy, I have to take a running back now because it's my second-round pick and I have to do it. Like, I am just not. I just don't move like that. Like, I don't believe it's the way to go.
1: Where is the cutoff for you? Say in a, um, you know, standard 12-team PPR league at running back, like, how many running backs are you looking to draft in those first two rounds? Where would you feel like you're reaching? Like, for instance, um... In a lot of rankings, I think average draft position right now has uh, Devonta Freeman right at the running back 12 spot. Mm -hmm. If you're seeing Devonta Freeman there in the second round, is he someone that you're comfortable with? Or are you often pivoting to wide receiver when you're seeing his name?
0: It depends on who else is there. Like, If you give me some wide receivers who are there and Devonta Freeman, I'll tell you. But I'm not afraid of Devonta Freeman in the second round.
1: Okay, I mean, yeah, I, I totally understand that. I, I guess that's kind of the whole point of what you're saying is essentially that it it depends for you all who is there at the time. Right,
0: right. And I'm not big like, say, for instance, there are certain guys that I just don't like. Like, I just don't want them. Like Leonard Fournette, I don't want him. So, Interesting. so I will. If there's not another running back there at that point, then I'm gonna just take a wide receiver. Like, I just don't want Fournette. So, I'll just yeah, and them. I
1: think those kind of feelings are easier to have have in the early
0: rounds because it's
1: like if you don't like Fournette that means you're not drafting him in the first or like the early mid second you might not even draft him in the late second if you really don't like him but it's not like he's going to make it into the third round of any fantasy draft so if that's how you feel uh, in the early rounds honestly I think and I think this is kind of what you're getting at I think it's much easier to go through figure out who you don't want to draft and target it that way right that's kind of So like
0: you mentioned the fourth spot right um, yeah. A lot of people go Todd Gurley, Bell, Johnson, Elliott, however it is, right? Like mm-hmm. for me, if I'm in the fourth spot and Elliott's who's falling to me, I'm not drafting him. So I'm just going to take a wide receiver. I'll take AB at that point. You know what I mean? Interesting. So it's, it's yeah. just, it's just like I, I'm going for guys I don't want. Like it's just anything. It's like the off the field stuff. It's the team. I'm not crazy about the offense as it is. You know what I mean? Like I'm not crazy mm-hmm. about the wide receivers, the targets that are out there. So I don't want to see, you know, the, the difficult you know line you know issues offensive line issues dealing with that i don't know it's just a combination of stuff i don't like so like guys like elliot and fournette are two guys i just avoid so Mm -hmm. at that point i'm taking wide receivers if the running backs aren't the ones that i want you know what i mean so yeah
1: have have you done many mock drafts or or just you know drafts throughout the offseason where you ended up taking a guy like antonio brown in the top four or taking him at like fifth even because those running backs went earlier, or, or that's the position we're in. Yeah, because
0: but I have it, it, it would be mocks. See, it's, like, been, it's mostly been like mocks. How
1: those have turned? Okay, mostly been mocks.
0: Yeah, because I've done most of my leagues this year. I've just happened to be at the end of the round, the first round. So um, gotcha. it's either been first pick type thing, or you know, 10, 11, 12, and those guys really aren't you know part of the issue at that point. So gotcha. You know, I don't go that because
1: I think the thing that's became most difficult for me with drafting wide receiver early, especially Antonio Brown has been um, this push for getting running backs early makes it so when you draft a guy like Antonio Brown, you're having to get real confident on a player like Jordan Howard in the second round who I'm not as confident in PPR with the presence of two Cohen and the change in the uh, coaching staff there. You have to be confident in a player like that or a Joe Mixon or somebody to take Antonio Brown and not just walk into it thinking, hey, I'm going to be going basically zero RB or I'm going to be starting with two or three wide receivers to start my draft. Like the struggle with Antonio Brown for me has nothing to do with Antonio Brown. It has entirely everything to do with what comes back on that two, three turn.
0: Right. Yeah. See, I'm I'm comfortable with Howard. So I would go A.B. Howard over. Elliott and another running back, basically. Yeah. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. No, that's that's totally fair. What's interesting about that to me is, so you're comfortable with Jordan Howard as you're, as your running back one in a situation where you got Antonio Brown in right. the first. Right. Got it. And I guess that makes sense. I mean, I think I've done that a decent amount on draft uh, for, like, best ball drafts. I, I think I've definitely got some Antonio Brown, Jordan Howard teams. But the thing that I would say is that for me, I like getting Jordan Howard a lot more when I've already gotten a running back in the first. Like, he's one of those running backs that I especially like targeting if I'm going running back, running back. Uh, and one of the main reasons is, is because I, I think Jordan Howard has shown throughout his career that for fantasy, he's extremely reliable in games that the Bears are favorites or in games that the Bears ultimately win. Um, when, you know, John Fox is the coach, especially, and they're running down the clock at the end of games and they're, you know, controlling the ball, they're doing it through establishing the run. I don't know if Matt Nagy's offense is going to function anywhere like that. I expect it not to. I pray it doesn't because John Fox was kind of terrible running an offense. <laughs> um, but ultimately, with that in mind, like for me, Jordan Howard, I'm... I'm feeling less confident in his week to week reliability being on Chicago's offense because I don't see Chicago being the LA Rams of this year like they were touted to be early in the offseason. I think we're like probably a five to seven win team. And for me, I want to have running backs that are playing in games that they're winning. So yeah, and I think that that's something that often goes overlooked when we're drafting. Um, so that's why, like, for me, I like getting Jordan Howard, but I love Jordan Howard as a second running back. I don't feel great when I get him as my first.
0: So, so yeah, so that makes sense. And like, let, let, me, let me give you an example. I have a, a league that I'm in, a uh, charity league, ring league, um, toys for Tots stuff, and basically, I I had the night number the number nine pick in the in the draft, and like, check out how this unfolded for me. I took Kamara in the first, PPR, right? Um, Kamara in the first, and I want to say. Uh, Yeah, I think it's just for PPR, I think. I don't think there's anything crazy besides that. Um, So, yeah, Kamara in the first. I turn around on my next pick and took Devontae Adams, right? The pick after that, I took Amari Cooper. The pick after that, I took Jarvis Landry. So now I have Amari Cooper, Adams. I mean, Kamara, Adams, Cooper, Landry. The next round, and again, you know how I feel about this guy, Marlon Mack. So that's just kind of the way I feel. I, I I go off of my value. Do you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I'm okay with Marlon Mack being my number two. I know others aren't, but I am. So I take my three wide receivers that I love, and I just wait for Marlon Mack in the fifth. And then in the sixth, I think I went with um, Emmanuel Sanders, and I followed up with, like, Duke Johnson or Delaney Walker and then Duke Johnson. So it was like – I just have guys that I like. I don't believe I have to stick to someone else's programs. Do you know what I'm saying? And no, you. Uh, yeah, you definitely
1: don't. And it's really interesting to have that perspective because I think that <clears throat> ADP is kind of a really interesting thing because it's gotten to the place now where I think a lot of people walk into a draft and think ADP is gospel. Yeah,
0: that's the problem. <laughs> uh,
1: and I think that... If you're a savvy drafter, you realize that ADP is not gospel, um, but realizing how you can exploit ADP is huge. And I think that that's something that often goes overlooked. I think people think about exploiting ADP in the wrong way. Um, I think that a lot of people don't recognize that um, there's kind of this exponential growth throughout a draft in relation to ADP in the sense that ADP is very fixed the closer you are to the beginning of the draft. As you extend out from the beginning of the draft, the probability of who's going to be left and what their average draft position is going to be increases dramatically. Um, So early on in a draft, similar to what we were talking about before, when you have like that top 24, it's easy for me as a drafter to rank my top 24 and say, I'm just going to draft the highest ranked player of these 24 ranked players. Because there's really not gonna be too much jumping around right I mean in most drafts people are going to stick pretty relatively close to average draft position that becomes even more so the case when you're drafting on things like the draft app or NFL tens where you have people who have been drafting basically all summer and they become pretty locked in to average draft position um, so what i think is interesting though is as you expand out even the third fourth round you can see it shift a little bit more where players get drafted you know maybe a half round in either direction as you get into the fifth sixth seventh round you can see players going around higher or around lower than they usually do and then once you get into like the eighth ninth tenth and beyond you can see where it shifts multiple rounds sometimes so i think that understanding average draft position is important in exploiting it, but people become way too fixed to it. So, like, for instance, what you were just talking about there, um, some highlights and some lowlights, in my opinion, with that draft, is uh, we took Amari Cooper. That's earlier than he's going to be in the third round, but you're really confident in Cooper, and I think that that's where you have to take him if you want to draft him. I mean, ultimately, you're not going to get him in the fourth round. The vast majority of the time, he might fall to you some. Sometimes in there he might be an even greater value. But if you're really confident in him, that's where you have to pounce is in the third round. Meanwhile, with Marlon Mack, for instance, you took him in the fifth round. His ADP right now I think is in the eighth or ninth round. He's really dropped a lot with the injuries in the offseason and um, just really the uncertainty overall with that Colts backfield. So I think in that situation, even though it's deeper in the draft and his ADP is going to shift more, you might have been able to wait a little bit longer on someone like Mac, but that's really the game you're playing. You know, the farther you get out in the draft, the more likely it is for his, you know, draft position to have a much greater variable from its average draft position. Right. Right. Definitely.
0: Definitely. And obviously with the way I'm drafted, because I'm not taking, you know, running back, running back, running back or running back, running back. Then I'm forced sometimes to take a running back earlier than others would out of fear that somebody else is going to take him. That doesn't need him as much as me, but they're just going to take him. Do you know what I'm saying? Exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean Mac, for instance, he's a weird one because earlier in the summer he was going in that fifth, sixth round range. Right. And so um,
0: for me, I just still believe it. I still yeah. agree with it. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: And I mean, it, and at the end of the year, you might entirely be right. I mean, I'm a Mac supporter as well. I think that if he's healthy there, he is the best back in that backfield. And I think in an Andrew Luck offense, any running back that's in that backfield is going to thrive. So if Mac is getting the majority of the touches there. I want him on my fantasy team. Um, I'm also j- drafting a lot of Jordan Wilkins because his draft cost is really low. And I think that he's the next best bet there with the fact that Naheem Hines, I think, has hands made of just like Teflon or, or like they just have syrup on them all the time or something. The kid cannot hold on to a football at yeah,
0: all. But, and and here, here here's where I feel like, um, you know, when you listen to podcasts, when you, when you read articles and, you know, for many of us, we follow them. That we never stop following this stuff. So some people just come in at the last minute before they draft, and like that's when they watch football or whatever. But for the ones who you know consume the content the whole way and they don't stop, you know, Heinz was the golden boy. A couple weeks ago right he i mean was. he was going to be the star mac was trash i mean Hines he's the
1: best pass catcher of the group that's right. kind of the idea right, right. so heinz
0: the next big thing but then he struggles and struggles and struggles and people are like oh wait you know maybe wilkins is going to be something maybe mac is really going to be something and it's like if you listen three weeks ago you drafted heinz before mac some people you know what mm-hmm. i mean like some people ignored mac and just drafted heinz pretty early now three weeks later you're like wait maybe that wasn't a good idea But, like, for me, I tend to stick to my thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't get crazy with the ups and downs, up and downs, up and downs. Like, if I stick to Mac, I just believe in Mac. I wouldn't stick to him in the first place unless I believed in him. And I'm not going to let some rookie come along and make me think, oh, all of a sudden Mac sucks and this guy's amazing. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I mean, that's I where it's I stay important consistent to for me. know
1: when to pivot too, though. I mean, yeah. for instance, if you were on Nikkeem Hines instead of Marlon Mack and you're watching him fumble throughout the entire preseason as a rookie, you're probably going to reassess that evaluation.
0: Right. But, 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 like, but <laughs> in those weeks that you didn't, that you touted him, you just hurt a lot of people. Yeah, you just made a I mean, lot of people who believe in you take Hines, and now you're just bailing. Do you know what I mean? And that's. Well, where I feel I mean, like, you know,
1: you you have to be willing to adapt. I think that that's No, no, you have to
0: adapt. You have to take you have to jump away from him, but I feel like you shouldn't jump in so fast.
1: You know yeah. what I saying? Oh, people yeah, would jump completely. in super
0: hard. They they went crazy with him. Like it wasn't even like, oh, this guy might be a thing. Like it was like, oh, he is. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: I think that that's what makes fantasy football interesting is because I think the vast majority of people that you have um Speaking on podcasts, often are people who draft in bulk. And when you draft in bulk, say you do a ton of best ball leagues, you're just in a ton of leagues, you're able to have like shares of players. Like you, you know, you're going to have maybe more Marlon Mack than you have Jordan Wilkins, but you still have some Jordan Wilkins or something to that extent. The problem is, is those people are often talking to people who are only exactly. in a exactly. I was of just gonna say,
0: maybe you should and do a best this- ball podcast then, because <laughs> you're not helping the average person. You're not helping even a you know a person who plays a lot that just doesn't play best ball. Like you're just you know, maybe you should specify that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, it's true, and I think that ultimately what you run into though is that those people are talking. All off season, and when you're talking All off season, you have to come up with Things that are interesting and The Indianapolis backfield was a thing That's really interesting so I think obviously, I also think know,
0: sometimes people are talking to themselves madam. <laughs> I think they just Want to believe it
1: <laughs> you are Really just down on Hines and just so Happy uh, that you've been right on I mean come on like I, again I'm not history. happy that
0: he's not good I mean he could be still good maybe he's just having some You know rookie fumbles or whatever but I just think, you know, people should temper the highs and the lows. Kind of meet somewhere in the middle. You know what
1: I mean? Well, yeah, of course. I think that that just happens with Twitter because it's an echo chamber. So as soon as somebody touts somebody, you hear everyone else who thinks that that's a possibility agree with them. And then it just kind of reverberates out from there.
0: So with the running back, running back thing, just to come back full circle here so we can move on. It's not the end all be all. It's not the golden strategy it can work if played correctly right and other ways can work too um i think what's most important is people always have to remember and remind themselves that it's not your draft that's gonna make or break you a lot of times it's your waivers it's your trades it's how you manage it, who you start who you sit so i think getting too caught up in the draft strategy and you know locking yourself into something uh, can be dangerous um and that people should just be a little open-minded to you know the way they approach it because again it's not everything it's not going to be everything by the end of the season if you win or lose it won't be because you drafted two running backs or you didn't do you know what i mean 100 that's it man that's all there is to it that's all there is to it so if you keep saying it you're crazy guys stop stop locking yourself into something stop locking yourself into something if hines tells you anything stop locking yourself in <laughs> hey somebody we did lose unfortunately this offseason was Marquis lee it sucks it sucks because he signed a big deal. He was going to be the number one guy again in Jacksonville, which, you know, some people don't care who the number one wide receiver is in Jacksonville. Um, but he's out for the season, uh, you know, a shitty injury, and hopefully, you know, he recovers quickly, comes back way better than he was before. But as we know with fantasy football, injuries do, unfortunately, and for the injured person and for, you know, for the other guys, open up opportunities. Um Jacksonville is this wide receiver corpse that is kind of, I guess, you know, you could say up for grabs in a way. Um, you, got, you got Cole, you got Westbrook, you got Moncrief, you got the rookie Chark. So there, there's, you know, a few guys there. They're all, you know, from at least what we know, they're all decently talented. Is there anyone that you love, Adam?
1: Love, definitely not. Um,
0: love is a I strong mean, word. It's complicated. Yeah,
1: it's a Blake Bortles wide receiver. <laughs> I mean –
0: you know, if you have to pick I mean, one, is it Cole? Is it the obvious Cole?
1: Yeah, I am drafting Cole. Um, I'm also drafting Moncrief. I think those will be the two starting wide receivers. Oh, he uh, is I think Westbrook based on,
0: on, Is this Westbrook-Hate?
1: I mean, to be fair, uh, this is based mostly on how many snaps they were taking with the first-team offense okay, during okay. preseason. Are we putting I mean, stock
0: in preseason, Adam? Yeah, we are okay, with the first-team right. offense. I mean, all right. that's the only thing asking. they'll put
1: stock into. But, I'm just asking. Yeah, I mean – Snap percentages with the first team offense are going to oftentimes be an indicator of who's going to be on the field more. That's not to say that Dede Westbrook couldn't flash. I mean, to be honest, like it's it's anybody's guess who comes out of that wide receiving core. I think that the best guess is that none of those guys have like a top 24 finish, and gotcha. you know they're going to have some fantasy relevancy for sure. Um, but As far as, like, taking a late-round flyer, yeah, I'll probably take some late-round flyers on Keenan Cole. Um, I mean, in really deep drafts, I will take some flyers on Dante Moncrief. So
0: what's a late-round flyer to you for Cole? Is he even a late-round flyer at this point, or is he not moving up crazy because of Lee's injury?
1: No, I mean, I I did a draft today, and uh, I can't remember exactly where he went, but I want to say, like, anywhere between the 11th and 14th round. So... No, oh, he's he might be creeping up, but he's not, you know, creeping up to the point of being in like the single-digit rounds or anything like that. Um, I think that he's had an average draft position in like the thirteenth, fourteenth round most of the year, so he might be in like the eleventh
0: now. I'm um, in a draft that's still ongoing at the moment. It started a few days ago, um, okay. post Lee injury, and he went in the eighth round. Okay. Eight, twelve, I mean, I mean, the first pick of the eighth that,
1: round. That to me is a a point where I I really just wouldn't draft him. I think there are way too many other wide receivers. He went there. just
0: just for just for, you know kind of you know give an idea. He went before Devin Funches. He Whoa, went before Randall. Intense. He went before Randall Cobb, Will Fuller, Sammy Watkins, uh, a lot of guys. Yeah. Him, so. I mean,
1: Funches like. He he should be still locked in as Carolina's number one wide receiver. I mean, ultimately, DJ Moore is going to cut into that workload. But going into the year, I think that he should be still locked in. I'd probably rather have Cam's number one wide receiver than maybe Blake Bortles' number one (laughs) wide receiver. But to be fair, though, I don't even know if I should because I I guess if you look historically, Blake Bortles has done much better with his number one wide receivers than Cam has, or at least it's been pretty close uh, in regards to what Allen Robinson did with Jacksonville. Um, So, I I mean, I don't hate it. I probably am not drafting him in the eighth round. Um, I think there's just more guys with with high upside on better offenses there. Um, guys that I think actually do have top 24 potential that are still in that range. Whereas Cole feels more like a guy who's going to be a best, like a reliable wide receiver three or a mm-hmm. boom bust wide receiver three. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Like it, to me, it's all relative to average draft position, and and yeah, at that point, I'm just I, there's just no way I'm gonna draft him.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like we both kind of agree. We don't love anybody. We don't hate anybody necessarily. Um, if we're gonna pick, a, you know, it's probably gonna go Cole Moncrief, Westbrook. In your sense, it sounds like that's what most people will say. Um, I will say that I was a big supporter of Westbrook last year, so I do have a kind of a thing still my, 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 my Heinz kind of player, no. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, I believe in Cole, I believe in Westbrook, Moncrief, I don't know, man, I guess, you know, obviously we've seen him do it before, so he's kind of like a, he's kind of like a safe bet, he's nothing like flashy to me, though, and I kind of tend to lean towards flashy guys, man, I don't know, but, uh, yeah, my heart, I my think... heart's been in a Cole and Westbrook, I have stock in them in Dynasty Leagues and stuff, so it's kind of where I am, you know, but Moncrief, you like, you know, I'm sure he's more of a safe bet, you know, than the other guys, probably. Um, from that regard but like you said I don't think anyone I don't think we love anybody here and I don't think we necessarily hate anybody it's just not really a good wide receiver situation to start with in Jacksonville and then you know you add to now there's no clear cut number one guy but again I think most people will lean Cole at this point
1: yeah I mean I think that the thing that's going to be interesting with Moncrief especially it's just going to be to see once it comes down to the red zone, like, who is Blake Bortles targeting? Because with Marquis on, I, I mean, I think that leaves a lot of opportunity there. Um, and Dante Moncrief has had reliable red zone target shares um, in the time that he was with Indianapolis, even though he wasn't seeing a large percentage of targets in the offense overall. Um, for instance, just last year, Dante Moncrief had only a 12% target share. On the Colts offense, but in the red zone, that shot all the way up to 23%, and on end zone targets, he was actually targeted 27% of the time. That's uh, coming from playerprofiler.com. But like, what you can see in that ultimately is just that Moncrief is—he's one of those guys that, you know, he's—he's he's yet to break out. He's, you know, been someone who I think people had really high expectations for, and he's never met those expectations. But the thing that he has done well is be that red zone. so I think that it'd be interesting to see if he becomes that reliable target for Blake Bortles in the red zone because he doesn't really have one there um I mean I think Austin Safarian Jenkins is a really interesting player there now uh tight end he might become a red zone target as well um I think that that's going to be most interesting to see because the thing about Blake Bortles is he has sneaky touchdown upside I mean this is a guy who you know has a top five fantasy finish in the last three years you know he's a quarterback that, you know, for fantasy purposes, I think oftentimes goes really overlooked and becomes this giant value year after year. Um, but in regards to how he influences wide receivers, I think that he's probably gonna throw for more touchdowns than many are expecting.
0: Yeah. Des Bryant, how about you stop dodging contracts? Maybe Jacksonville's an interesting location. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the guy doesn't want to sign for some reason. Like teams keep offering him contracts and like, nah, you know, I'll wait. I'm gonna wait this out a little longer. Like I don't know what he's waiting for exactly, but gotta get that money. Gotta get it. Gotta get it. Maybe he's just not getting what he thinks he's all, you know deserves. But I mean, I don't know. If, you know, Jacksonville cares enough about wide receivers and maybe like like everything they have. But I mean, that would be an interesting place. Like I don't know. It just seems like there's some opportunity there for Des. Maybe I don't know, but I don't know. I don't know, man. He just needs to sign somewhere. I'm trying to trying to play this game. Um, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Like you said, we both agree, I think Cole is the one, if you got to pick one. But like you said, it's sneaky, Bortles sometimes, you know, has these big games. So we'll see how it plays out. But Cole is the obvious play here. Um, I, we, we mentioned preseason before. You said the only thing that you care about in preseason is snap count, right?
1: I mean, it's not the only thing I care about. But that's it, a big main, thing. Yeah, I, snap count with the first team all offense, uh, first Team offense, target shares.
0: You don't care about week it four at all? has some influence. What's week, that? Is week four got anything in there for you? Are you looking for anything in week four at all that you care about at all?
1: No. Preseason? Not I care. mean, I don't think anybody. Is. I mean, ultimately week four, you know, if you play in really deep dynasty leagues, sure. Um, To, you know, get an idea of who's actually going to make rosters. But, shout yeah, out to Chris I'm, Warren. I'm not, I'm not watching those games.
0: <laughs> shout out to Chris Warren.
1: Yeah, sure. I go for shout 200. Out, shout out. Uh, shout out to deandre washington <laughs> shout out, shout i out hope you chris. end up on a roster at some point buddy shout out to chris ward uh we'll shout see out. what happens right. neil and i have a uh a uh, nice little debate over the oakland backfield that i'm probably gonna lose it's a healthy debate man it's a healthy
0: one yeah it's a good one man that's another guy man marshawn lynch in redraft leagues it's getting shade man too much shade thrown on this guy man
1: Honestly, I don't think so, at least in the drafts that I've been doing. You know, I've done so uh, a couple some respect of 25 there. drafts on draft. I've done one of the $125 drafts on Draft. What?
0: This seen, guy's balling out here, I Adam. Know, right? Whoa, yeah, whoa. I, try and,
1: I try and do a couple, whoa. couple high stakes, stakes every year. Just $125, fun. this guy's
0: balling. I
1: know. It's fun to enter into some of these big Jeez. contests. But nonetheless, I, what the whole point of that was is that in some of the quote-unquote higher-stakes drafts, you're seeing Marshawn Lynch often go in the fifth round reliably. Okay, like,
0: that's not, that's fair. I don't
1: I don't think that it's a situation where savvy players are sleeping on Marshawn Lynch. I Listen, think that you
0: pass on that running back, running back theory, and you land Marshawn on the fifth. I'm just saying.
1: If um, Marshawn stays healthy, um, I, I think that there's, there's definitely some reliability there. I think that people might be getting a little too hyped just in the sense that He's still not a giant pass catcher, although I think he has sneaky pass catching ability in the sense that, you know, he has a couple 30 reception seasons, I believe. feel like I have to look that up now that I've said it and <laughs> I regret saying it. Um, but with that in mind, I think that that offense also is just going to feed him in plus situations like when they're in the red zone. I think John Rudin is going to go old school football and just hand it to Marshawn Lynch four times and see what happens. Pretty much. And that's, you know, it's one of those, it's kind of a match made in hell in a way where it's like, marshawn lynch maybe shouldn't even still be in the nfl but he is and he's doing really well but he's just kind of that like old school running back like hard-nosed guy who's just not going to go down and it just fits john gruden so perfectly It, <laughs> like,
0: does. it does. they it have that
1: same sense. sort of mentality so i mean it, it be, seems like john gruden
0: could have been with the raiders 10 years ago and marshawn lynch would have been there and it's 10 years later and he's still there like he just kind of makes all they all it's like a perfect marriage
1: yeah, and in case anyone was curious, I was definitely right. Two two thirty plus reception seasons in thirteen and fourteen That's that I was remembering.
0: You are flexing over here, bro. You know, yeah, I flexing the knowledge. Research. You had to Gotta you had to sure throw uh, I'm your, on point. you had to throw out the uh, the price of your leagues that you're in just to mention <laughs> Marshawn Lynch. I'm like, what is this guy flexing over here? What is what is well, this? Well, no, I mean
1: to be fair though, when you when you do drafts on like the Draft App or mfl Tens or anything, uh, I think that. It's similar to doing mock drafts and looking at mock drafts or, you know, looking at mock draft ADP versus an MFL 10 ADP or something of that sort where you're just going to get a better idea of what people are going to do in your draft or if your draft is actually really difficult. These are the things that might happen because I think it's I think it's best to approach your draft like it's going to be super difficult because then when it's not, it feels so nice 'Cause you just feel like everything's just coming to you and it's just it's really comfortable. Whereas if you, you know, think about everything in this casual context of like, oh, in my casual league I'll be able to get Marshawn Lynch in the eighth round because they think he should be retired or something of that sort. I think that then you often end up just disappointing yourself because you think you can wait on players longer than you can. And I just I like to approach things from a standpoint of like, what are the people who are investing the most money in drafts doing and i think that it's interesting when you look at it from that standpoint because it helps me evaluate in my like less expensive drafts where there's value like if i see a guy even if it's a guy that i'm not particularly super high on but he got drafted much earlier in you know high stakes drafts or something of that sort i'm at least going to reevaluate that more and and like wonder why it is that He's going higher in these drafts, but I'm seeing him fall in this particular situation, and I still don't want to target him, if that makes
0: sense. Sometimes he will just have too much money and nothing to do with it, Adam. Oh, of course. I mean, it's like <laughs> anything else. I mean, I,
1: <laughs> I play poker, too. I'm well aware of the guy who's got too much money and doesn't know what he's doing.
0: <laughs> and for sure, if you win the uh, $125 tournament, don't forget what you came from, man.
1: Oh, don't forget yeah. You came from. Be nice. Don't act brand
0: new. Don't act brand new. I,
1: I, I highly doubt it. We'll see what happens, though. through one entry in there. I'm sure that there are other people who are just shelling out cash, throwing out dozens.
0: So we'll see. We shall see, man. Um, some other things we wanted to get to, man. First round, second round, bus predictions. You have some on the t- uh, on your mind there, man?
1: oh no i think that you really wanted to talk about this because you just had so many <laughs> uh, i mean the reality is is that there will be some i mean that that's the reality we all know it It happens every year we all get transfixed on average draft position and then close to half of the first rounders won't live up to first second third fourth fifth round draft potential like they'll just they won't be every week reliable they'll just be Injured though. I'll give you one for the first round, Mister
0: yeah, Fournette.
1: Leonard Fournette.
0: Okay. Well he, he won't live up to it, man. But why? Like, wh- what are your thoughts? Oh man, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be an injury. I don't know if it's going to be the sneaky rise of TJ Yeldon. <laughs> you just <laughs> have this feeling, huh? <laughs> yeah. I just feel like they should use Yeldon some more if they want Fournette's knees to hold up. And, you know, they want to make the playoffs and they want to, you know, have Fournette to help them there. They'll be wise, man. They'll be wise to uh, not run Fournette into the ground. So I'm going to take him out of the first round value. Interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that he, if I had to rank my confidence in like the top 12 running backs, he's probably in the bottom half. I mean, he's definitely in the bottom half. He might be even like the bottom third. Uh, so like, I, I mean, I can see it. Do you trust him
0: more or Dalvin cook more?
1: Oh no, I definitely trust a lot of Fortnite more than okay. Dalvin cook. Yeah. I, for sure.
0: I, I I mean, for, and is, is it a, is it, you're worried about an injury with cook or you just think the Minnesota Vikings aren't going to, you know, give him as much burn I as mean, they would have or?
1: for, for cook. There's a lot. I mean, so just to put it out here, cook would be one of mine, um, that like I'd be thinking is growing, has some of the most bust potential in the top 12. Um, He's going in the top 12. He's not in my top 12 running backs. Uh, I'm taking guys like Freeman and Howard Overcook. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just think that we lack so much information. Uh, You know, we're looking at a four-game sample size with what he did, and what he did was phenomenal. Um, But to extrapolate that over a full season, I just think it's super dangerous, especially with a guy who's coming off of a really tough knee injury, um, heading into an offense that's shifting quarterbacks and shifting styles and from what we've seen from Latavius Murray in the preseason like it looks like they want to use both of these guys pretty interchangeably quite similar to the way that Murray and uh, McKinnon were used last year with maybe more usage for Cook than you saw from McKinnon last year but I I think it's going to be closer to that than it is going to be a workhorse situation for Cook Um, I would say you're
0: not you're not in crowded company when you say Howard over Cook
1: I know Wouldn't I you mean, say I mean you, I, I
0: don't think a lot of people would say that.
1: No, no, I don't think so either. <laughs> I will I'll even go one step more hot takey. I think that Dalvin Cook is basically Derrick Henry.
0: Wow. Would you put McKinnon, his former teammate over him?
1: No. Okay. I think that McKinnon uh, I think McKinnon probably has the same upside. Uh, no, he, he doesn't even have that because McKinnon can't handle a workload that Dalvin Cook in the best case scenario was going to handle. Right? Right, I mean, sure. Dalvin Cook's just a bigger back, um, you know, even though he was injured last year, prototypically, he's quote unquote built to carry a larger workload. I don't see San Francisco ever using uh, McKinnon in, in that context. Like Jarek McKinnon is going to be your prototypical scat back plus, like, you know, Bobby the,
0: Sylvester at Fantasy Pros, 11 days ago, Adam, says, if you think he is too small, just look at what Devonta Freeman did under the same offensive coordinator.
1: Oh, I mean, th- oh. It, it, that that in context is a fun little argument. He I is love Devonta Freeman. you
0: there, my friend. So, I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah, it... And, and it's ironic that you say that because that was literally the next point that I was going to get to, which is that the, the, everything's based on context. Like, right. running in that Jay Gruden offense, you're going to have potential for giant games. I mean, the issue with McKinnon, to me, isn't his pedigree. It's the fact that he's been injured in the preseason. Yeah. And for running me, in what offense? That tempers my expectations.
0: What's what, that? What offense did you say? Running in what offense?
1: I don't know. Did I misspoke?
0: I thought like you said Jay Gruden offense, but I could be wrong. Throw me off there, man. I could be wrong. <laughs> Maybe I'm just reading and listening to you at the same time, and I'm going crazy. Totally nope, possible. Def-
1: definitely did say Jay Gruden. Okay. All right. I'm him. good. I'm
0: glad that you yeah. confirmed it. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sense. You're not editing that out, right? Oh hell no!
0: Absolutely <laughs> not. This all is staying, my friend.
1: Yeah, it's cool. All... <laughs> when you get on a roll, sometimes you know. You're... You roll over some bunnies or something. I don't know. I don't have a good analogy for that. I apologize to all the bunny yeah, lovers stop, out Stop there. digging
0: the hole Adam. Just, just <laughs> move forward. <laughs> you don't got to hurt no, other people for this, man. Yeah. Just keep it moving, none man.
1: Though, none, nonetheless.
0: <laughs> you got shooken up when I gave you a Devonta Freeman, Jerick McKinnon comparison. It threw you off your game. I understand, man. You're well, like, I think oh, that damn, you're right. Jared
1: McKinnon does, I mean, he possesses that Devonta Freeman ceiling for sure. But I think to expect that when a guy's been injured in the preseason, it's just, I mean, it's it's foolish. I, I was drafting Jared McKinnon in the second round pre-injury. But yeah, you're now I think crazy. you have to a little bit. You're, you're, yeah, you
0: temporary. implications. You're doing what Heinz owners couldn't do originally. It's cool, man. To be
1: fair, I was drafting McKinnon over Cook most of the summer. But, wow, okay. you know, once he became injured in the preseason, you've, you've got to temper expectations. So,
0: so speaking But
1: ultimately, to, yeah, Delvin Cook, I think, is is Derrick Henry, essentially. He's, he's Derrick Henry plus.
0: You're a dirty dude for that, man. That's cool, though. Yeah,
1: I won't own a lot of them,
0: unfortunately. <laughs> speaking of Jay Gruden, since you're, for some reason, mentioning him, Washington's backfield. It's, it's a mess. It's a mess. I'm personally hurt because in the Scott Fish Bowl, I drafted Mr. Geis. And oh, you did. And, and I wanted to see him flourish in his rookie season. And that obviously won't happen. And in a very strange way, after the game, he's like, I'm fine, man. We're good. And the next day, they're like, he tore his ACL. You're like, what in the world is going on here? <laughs> um, but okay, okay, whatever. It happened. Again, like Marqu- Mar- Marquise Lee, we wish him a speedy recovery. But it's created this weird chain of events. Um, you know, you had the, the running backs that were already there, and they decided to throw Adrian Peterson into the mix. Um, what do we do here, Adam? This is a yeah, uh, a, situ- a weird situation.
1: Yeah. yeah, very weird. I mean, <laughs> it's it's ironically funny for me um, because the beginning of the off season. I was um, really kind of avoiding the Washington backfield. I thought that Geis was going to be the main focus, but I thought Chris Thompson was going to get enough usage there that it was going to cut into Geis, and that ultimately it's not going to be this high-powered, high-scoring offense, so I don't want to invest in it when it's going to be split between two running backs because I think the likelihood both of them going to succeed is low, and I think my probability of being wrong on which one succeeds on a weekly basis is high. So I was just avoiding it altogether. Then it came out that Chris Thompson didn't feel like he was fully recovered from the injury and thought that he might not be fully recovered until I think he said December, which is outlandish, but is very honest. So I hope that's not the case now because it's weird in the sense that as soon as he said that, I jumped on Geiss and then started taking Geiss as early as the third round in drafts. Um, And luckily, I wasn't doing a ton of drafts during that time, or else I think I'd own way more Geis. Luckily, I didn't (laughs) didn't do that. But what I've, you know, ran into now is the situation where without Geis there, it seems so right for Chris Thompson. Now, they brought in Adrian Peterson or the ghost of Adrian Peterson (laughs) at this point. I mean, really, you know, he looked good in the preseason, but... We saw Adrian Peterson look good in the preseason last year. Like, he's a guy who's going to, as the season wears on, just become less and less and less and less reliable. And honestly, I think in a way, it's the best thing that could have ever happened for Chris Thompson. Yeah. If you want Chris Thompson in fantasy, this is going to push down his average draft position and it's going to. Put him in a position where when he is playing, he doesn't have to be utilized a ton. He's going to be that specialist, but he's on an offense with a guy who, you know, Adrian Peterson, one of the best running backs of all time, but it's just so far past his prime that he's going to just get bulk carries where they're just going to hand him the ball a bunch. But I think that they're going to utilize Chris Thompson more in, like, red zone situations, two-minute drill offense, all of those sort of situations that are ideal for fantasy and with adrian peterson being there it's pushing chris thompson down um it it, it also
0: leaves a place for you to make a trade the chris thompson owner now will say oh man adrian peterson's here man oh come on what is this and they're gonna think because everyone's gonna tell you that adrian peterson is gonna be the man there now that chris thompson is worthless or that his value just took a major hit and like you said i think and you think it did quite the opposite (laughs) so um and to be and also just so people know espn reported that chris thompson should be available to play their first regular season game so yeah chris thompson's
1: not going to miss any games at this point
0: i mean basically the
1: reaction to the injury is based completely off a quote that he had around saying that he wasn't going to be fully healthy until december or whatever the case may be and So try to find the the person who doesn't believe in This is fantasy football. I mean, it comes down to touches and targets. Like, is he going to get touches and is he going to get targets? He's a highly efficient player. And the way he's going to be utilized is going to be in situations that are great for fantasy in the sense that it's going to be in the two-minute drill. It's going to be in the red zone. So, yeah, for me, Thompson's one of those guys that in the mid-rounds, especially if you go with, like, a zero running back approach and you need somebody who has, like, a potential for reliability, Chris Thompson's phenomenal in the middle rounds.
0: I 100% agree, man. I 100% agree. So Chris Thompson is, we both agree, the back to own in Washington. And Adrian Peterson, I don't want no part of. It sounds like you don't want a part of him. So we agree on that. Surprisingly, we are agreeing on some things here, Adam. Um, I just want no part of the guy. Maybe he will flash. Maybe he will have some moments. But I don't believe in it the whole season. Um, Another situation uh, that you brought up that we should talk about here is how are we approaching some of these suspended players? How are we approaching these guys? Some people tend to write suspended players off, right? They're like, I don't want a no part of it. It's weird, and I can't start them right away, and I need to worry about right away, and week to week, and this and that. And then some people see the value and grab them late. And some people, for some reason, tend to still draft them like as if they're not suspended. And <laughs> I don't know what that's about. Um, some of the guys that you mentioned were Mark Ingram, Aaron Jones edelman winston uh winston obviously is probably the best value you know people can grab him late at most points in drafts especially in one qb leagues it's like not even a big deal um i think the most interesting one here at least from my perspective i don't know what you're gonna say but is probably ingram <laughs> you came into that so confident, yeah, and then we're like, I
1: don't. As I'm looking at the names, I'm an like, answer for this one. Yeah,
0: as I'm looking at the names, I'm like, is it Ingram? <laughs> Maybe it's not, but no, I think Ingram is the most interesting one. I've been a big fan of Ingram every year, and just like Sean Payton, people claim that he doesn't like him. Fantasy fans don't seem to ever believe in him either, um, but he's always paid off for me. You know, in fantasy leagues, um, value wise, his production wise, in every angle, I've never been like disappointed because of Mark Ingram. So. I'm always gonna like Mark Ingram. I'm always gonna have a thing for him. Um, I, I I would have said Aaron Jones probably before, but like Jamal Williams is like looking good. <laughs> it's like yeah. So I, I, you know, it's a weird let, thing. Let's
1: stick on Ingram for a moment before moving on because I'm curious because, like you kind of illustrated earlier, you're willing to avoid average draft position, but I'm just curious with where he's going in drafts right now if this is a position that you're actually willing to take him in. And right now he's going in the middle of the fourth round as running back 21. If you're in a draft and you're in the middle of the fourth round, you know, guys who are available often in that range are going to be like the Ajayi, Henry. um, You're going to see Royce Freeman, Lamar Miller in that range. uh, You know, Dion Lewis, those are kind of the guys that are in that range amongst those running backs. Is Ingram above all of them? Like, who are you taking? Like, how do they jockey for position there?
0: I would take Ingram over Lamar Miller. I would take him over Deion Lewis. Uh, I would probably take him over Ajayi, too, actually. um, Royce Freeman's an interesting one. I would definitely take Derrick Henry over Mark Ingram. So okay. that's kind of where I'm at. I'm a big Derrick Henry fan. Again, I know some people are down on him, but... I believe in him. And you, we've had this debate on the podcast before with Deion Lewis and him. Um, I just believe in Derrick Henry a lot. So
1: Yeah, so, all right. I, I agree with you on every one of those except for Lamar Miller. Um, Lamar Miller, I, I honestly, I, I haven't had to draft him at this point, um, but I probably would take him ahead of Derrick Henry. I think that he has the clearest path of anyone being drafted in the fourth round plus to being a workhorse on it. Prolific offense. I mean, what what Deshaun Watson was able to do there last year in the games that Deshaun Watson played, Lamar Miller was a running back one every single week. I mean, it's 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 a situation where I don't think Lamar Miller is some insanely talented running back, but situation matters so much more in fantasy. And he's a guy who, for each of the last three seasons, has finished top 24. So he gives you that high floor, um, which is so rare at the running back position. But he also possesses a high ceiling. I mean, the guy has had top 12 performance or top 12 seasons, let alone top 12 weekly performances. And this will be the best offense that he's ever played in. So for me, Lamar Miller is at, at like the top of that group. But then after Derrick Henry, I, I too, I'm, I'm drafting a lot of Mark Ingram.
0: I won't lie, man. My, I want Deonta Foreman to work out, man. And I think that's like my Lamar Miller hit. Like I know he's coming back from like this brutal injury and we have no clue, you know, how he'll come back from that. Right. Or when, or when, or when, but like, for some reason, I I still believe like I still believe in DeAndre Foreman, and I guess I mean
1: he's had some amazing flashes. So yeah, Deon Foreman has looked so, great when he's playing. I would the field, be in the group who would
0: rare. yeah I'd be in the group who would take Mark Ingram or take a Derrick Henry at that point, not Lamar Miller, and then go for the ticket and DeAndre Foreman later, and like hopes that he's gonna bounce back, you know, to a you know somewhere close to what he was before or. You know, bounce back better. Who knows? And some kind guys just come back from these injuries like it never happened. But I would take the chance on Foreman later and like hope that he unseats or eats into Lamar Miller's time a lot. Do You know what I mean? Like that's yeah, kind of where oh, my mentality 100%. goes.
1: I, ironically, it's it's interesting because um, uh, JJ Zacharyson uh, has the the late round podcast, and earlier in the summer, he talked about how to identify running back breakouts. So running backs that have the potential for breaking out. Deonta Foreman fits a lot of the characteristics that he outlined in that podcast. Uh, I did a a small study on my own after that podcast came out just to kind of look at, at that time, who were the running backs that kind of fit the criteria of past breakouts. And Deonta Foreman, he was on that list. I mean, really, if it wasn't for the injury, I'd be right there with you. Um, But that injury is there, and from what we've seen, they're willing to rely on Lamar Miller. I mean, it's very similar in a way to what he experienced in Miami in the sense that like he's never going to be overused. But in the NFL as it is today, I mean, you don't have to have some insanely high usage. And Lamar Miller, especially starting the season, is going to be the guy in the red zone. He's going to be the guy in the two-minute drill. He's going to be their quote-unquote workhorse. And I think really outside of the first two rounds maybe the beginning of the third round like he's the next running back that you're running into that really has that potential where they don't have anybody else who's really vying for touches in that in that backfield
0: yeah i mean it makes sense it makes sense in that sense you know but again i'm hoping they have to have the foreman bounces back he's gonna do like boogie cousins man they're both gonna bounce back this year from Achilles injuries i'm holding out hope Adam, I don't want Lamar Miller at that spot. I just don't. But it makes For sense sure. though. It makes sense what you're saying. It makes total sense. There's no, there's no real way to knock it. Do You know what I mean? Like, there's no way to knock what you're saying or like say you're wrong because there's just not a way. There's like you said, there's nobody else there. If Deontay Foreman doesn't bounce back to form or come back sooner than later, you know there there is no knock. So, I think he's a safe bet. Do you know what I mean? Um, so he, it, it definitely makes sense. It's just I don't know. I don't know. He doesn't. I don't know what it is about Lamar Miller, man.
1: I can feel you coming around as you're saying
0: you know, just, just <laughs> No, I'm it, not mad give at him. some time apparently. I'm not <laughs> mad at him. I'm not mad at it. If you take Lamar Miller, I'm not mad at it, especially if you don't go running back, running back. Lamar Miller is a perfect target to get down there, man. So, it's very it, true. again, it depends on how you draft. You know what I mean? So,
1: this, this ultimately started with a conversation over suspended players. So, some of the other ones you outlined, uh, Jameis Winston, like you said, is a huge value. I think that um, for me, like – in in leagues that are really deep, you know, super flex leagues, um, drafting in best ball leagues where you're drafting a lot of quarterbacks, like I, Jameis Winston's definitely been on my wit radar. In your standard one quarterback redraft league, there's there's no reason to draft Jameis Winston. Yeah. like it's it's ultimately there's just. There's, it's just a waste of a roster spot. He's got to sit on your bench. You don't need to be carrying two quarterbacks. There, there's almost never a reason to carry two quarterbacks in a one-quarterback league, as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, in that sense, he's not someone I'm drafting. But I'm curious what you think about Julian Edelman and Aaron Jones. And, you know, they're going actually kind of in that similar range of, like, seventh to ninth round. Um, but yeah, both of them, I mean, they kind of come from completely different perspectives in the sense that like Julian Edelman is someone who year after year has been extraordinarily reliable, but as he's getting older, you know, he has the suspension for steroid usage. So, you know, he has an injury that he's coming off of. He has a lot of these factors that would make people feel like they're down on him, but historically he's been extremely reliable. On the flip side, you have someone like Aaron Jones, who historically, He's shown flashes, but he's never been reliable. But those flashes have been super bright, and everybody gets super excited about his potential. So how do you feel about each of those guys in those ranges? Have you been drafting either of them?
0: So Aaron Jones, I felt better about before Jamal Williams started looking really good. So, like, (laughs) I think everybody did. Yeah, I was all in. Like, you know, anyone buying Jamal Williams, like, they're idiots. You know, Aaron Jones is going to come in. As soon as he comes back, it's his job. There's no question about it. And now I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, I think it might get split way more than I ever wanted it to there. You know what I mean? I don't think, I really don't think they're going to commit to either guy. They're never going to say either guy is number one. They're going to play the hot hand game. And I don't really want a part of it. So, early on, I was, you know, big on them. At this point, you know, if I have to take one of those running backs because, you know, they fall to me, I take them. But I'm not itching for either one. I don't feel like when I'm getting them, I'm like, ooh, I'm getting a value. You know, I don't – I just don't care at this point because I feel like I'm going to have issues every week saying, who do I start? Who do I play? What do I do? It's
1: it's funny you say that because I I feel that way about so many of these, quote-unquote, tandem backfields where you have – multiple running backs, they're being drafted you know, in the top, let's say, 10 rounds of a draft. Um, Green Bay is one that, to me, is almost an exception to the rule because they're such a high-power offense, because they're going to score so many touchdowns. So you like either or? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I'm— leaving almost every single draft I'm in with a Green Bay running back. I mean, I'm even drafting a lot of Ty Montgomery in PPR leagues. Uh, I own the most of Williams, for sure. Uh, Ultimately, I think that he is going to be the first one to get the opportunity, and a lot of times that's all you need in the NFL. Um, But like you said, I think all of them are going to be utilized. The thing is, though, is when you're a team like Green Bay and you're going to win 10 to 14 games on the season you have the potential to be in a lot of positive game scripts and be in a lot of situations that are going to support your running backs with scoring a lot of points for me i think it's interesting to look at a backfield like green bays for instance and you have jamal williams and you have aaron jones and you have Ty montgomery and they're all going in these like late mid rounds to contrast that with a running back tandem like Tennessee, where you have Derrick Henry and you have uh, Deion Lewis, and they're both going in the top 24, it's interesting because you, most of us would agree, if not everyone out there would agree, Green Bay has a much greater potential to score more touchdowns and to just be an overall more prolific offense than Tennessee does. But we're willing to draft both of their running backs much higher than we're even willing to draft one of Green Bay's running backs. And I think it's interesting. I think we have this context that a lot of people use when they think about these split backfields and they just kind of pick and choose the situations that they want to avoid or they want to support just based upon kind of these arbitrary ideas of which players are the most talented.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's part talented, but I also think it's people think the Titans are going to run more and have to run more. And they think Green Bay is going to pass more because they can pass more. They have the best quarterback in the world, basically, almost. And, you know, great wide receiver targets. And so they don't have to lean on a run game. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's ironic, though. It's
1: backwards.
0: Mm-hmm. People run
1: when they're ahead. You only get ahead when you can throw the ball effectively. Like, the pass sets up the run. It's not the other way around. Like, these offenses, Green Bay is going to be in so many more positive situations.
0: Goal line. Most likely.
1: I mean, you know, there's always the chance that Tennessee just jumps out and surprises everybody, and Marcus Mariota has an MVP season. Like, it's all in the range of outcomes. But the, the vast majority of people would not expect that
0: coming into the year. Let me ask you this PPR League. Who are you drafting first? Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, or Duke Johnson? Uh Jamal
1: Williams, uh Duke is really close for me, probably closer than he should be. Um, but it go it comes back to the you know, the offense argument. I think Cleveland's gonna have an improved offense, but I mean like, So Jamal, at, Duke,
0: could... Aaron, that's where you go? Yeah, for okay, sure. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, it, it depends on roster construction, too. Um, if I've drafted a lot of running backs early, I'm probably more apt to swing for the fences with Aaron Jones than I am to take Duke Johnson. Because while I think Duke Johnson's an awesome PPR back and probably has a good chance of finishing in the top 24 again, um, I, I don't Duke think he I don't think he has top 12 upside. What's that?
0: I'm going Duke before both of them.
1: Interesting. So <laughs> do, you, do you just think that Carlos Hyde is just not going to be involved there? I mean, to be fair, Duke's usage in the preseason was fantastic. I mean, it's exactly what you want to see if you like Duke Johnson the most. And I will say in the Cleveland backfield, I'm do- drafting Duke Johnson first.
0: Yeah, I think I think Nick Chubb Carlos and Carlos Hyde. Hyde eat each other alive and Duke flourishes. I, yeah, think, I, mean, I, I, I don't look at those two as an effect on Duke at all.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, I think one thing that I'm concerned about for Duke is Carlos Hyde looking better because of Tyrod Taylor Uh, I think that that's something that easily can happen when you have these mobile quarterbacks um, that are able to run things like the RPO and are able to make defenses second-guess themselves Uh, it puts running backs in much better situations so I think there is that potential that if Carlos Hyde gets the first run at it which it seems like is possible, he could look better than he's actually doing simply because of that situation. Right. Um, that would be my main concern with Duke Johnson is just from a workload perspective. You know, he's going to be utilized, but to what extent? And if Carlos Hyde just happens to look better because Tyrod is out there creating situations that are, are overall better for him than he's, you know, than he's seen in the past, Right. That, you know, Carlos Hyatt, he, he's not, he's no, he's no chump, you know? He's, he's been There's great for fantasy. He's he's had positive seasons.
0: So. Yeah, he's not bad. He's not bad. Um, the last guy on your list was Julian Edelman. We haven't discussed him yet. Uh, Will Fuller or Julian Edelman for you?
1: Julian Edelman.
0: Chris Hogan or Julian Edelman?
1: Hogan, like three rounds, four rounds no higher. Marquise yeah.
0: Goodwin or Julian Edelman?
1: Oh, now that's a tough one. Um... <laughs> I'm probably I'm probably going good when it depends a lot on roster construction if I go wide receiver early and I feel very confident in my wide receiver core I'm probably just going to swing for the fences with Edelman um, because I think that once Edelman comes back I mean him being a top 12 wide receiver on a weekly basis is I mean unless you know he was using steroids and stopped using steroids and now he's just awful like what we've seen from Julian Edelman is about as reliable as it gets. I mean, honestly, the best comparable player for what he's done over the last few seasons is like a Jarvis Landry, Larry Fitzgerald, and they're going in the third, fourth round. So if there was no injury, I think Julian Edelman would be going, or I'm sorry, not injury. If there was no suspension, I think that Julian Edelman would be going in the third, fourth round with him going in like the seventh, eighth round, I mean, depending on my roster construction, I love love adding Julian Edelman there. Especially in like your standard redraft league, where the first four weeks of the season, I mean, they don't they don't matter much. If you make the playoffs, that's all that matters. And you yeah. wanna be able to have a team that can just crush in the playoffs. And I think having a guy like Julian Edelman in the playoffs is gonna be gigantic.
0: Yeah, I feel like the Patriots are gonna play like pissed off this year. They seem very, very frustrated. I mean, <laughs> in New England. they lost the Super Bowl. I don't know if people remember that. <laughs> yeah, but they just seem like it seems like there's a lot going on in New England, man. And I feel like Brady, Gronk, Edelman, like all these guys are like, yo, like I gotta get one more of these here before I go. Like I gotta get the hell out of New England. Like it yeah, just seems like a lot people is are boiling. Also,
1: underestimating that Brandon Cooks left. Yeah, and he was a top twelve receiver last year in PPR leagues. Like. He didn't have a gigantic target share, but that was a large percentage of their offense. Like that's going to get divvied up between Hogan and Edelman once Edelman comes back. Like that's that that I think is going dramatically overlooked. And Gronk too. Like I'm drafting a ton of Gronkowski in the second round. I think that he has potential to just be gigantic while Edelman's out. Like I just I don't see it any other way. I think Brady's going to have to rely upon him. So
0: I wish Chris Hogan was like more reliable.
1: I think historically he hasn't been reliable, not, if you like, look at it on like a grand scale. However, if you look at just last season, in the games he was healthy, he performed as a wide receiver one over the course of those games. Yeah, He had many wide receiver one weeks. He was fantastic at the beginning of last year. Um, I think that that's the sample that you really want to focus on, because... Yeah. You don't want to over extrapolate it, but you know where he's going right now, which is in like the fourth round, maybe even the fifth round. I think I'm curious, so I'm gonna I'm gonna look really quick here. But I, I, I mean, feel, he's, I feel he's like, a steal.
0: Yeah, I feel like Chris Hogan's like one week is like he's gonna be amazing, and then we crash, and then oh, he's gonna be amazing again, and then we crash. <laughs> like I feel like we just go all the way up and then all the way down with Chris Hogan, like. There's no like middle ground like, okay, I feel good. He's gonna give me twelve points at least, you know. It's like way up or way down. Way up, way down. It's like, ah oh, man, it's just such an opportunity right now for him. And it's like, if he could just capitalize on it, man, like he could be good.
1: Yeah, I mean, right now he's going as the wide receiver twenty five in PPR leagues in the fifth round for me, like I'm drafting that every single time yeah. I see it. Every single time. I mean that that to me. Him being in the top 24 this year seems more likely than it is unlikely.
0: Yeah, it does. It does. Hopefully he does, man. It'd be nice to see him take advantage of this opportunity. It really would. Um, damn, so I think that was it. I think we covered all the suspended guys. I Think we got that. Uh, well, I mean, while we're speaking about Chris Hogan and stuff, mid-round wide receiver targets, you know, especially again, you know, let me get the, the, the running back, running back guys say that wide receiver value is super strong. Um, not just in the third, fourth, fifth rounds, but some people feel even later it's strong and some people feel like it's crazy dirty in there. Like (laughs) they don't know what to do. Um, I find myself not loving the nine, 10, 11 rounds. Um, but you know, let's talk about it really quick just because, you know, some people have varying you know feelings about it. Do you not like the middle rounds for wide receivers or are you a fan of the value in the middle rounds? I mean, there's,
1: I think that there are some guys that are available in the middle rounds um, that I do like to target, but the vast majority of wide receivers that are going in that range for me are just players that I think I'm not feeling very confident in. Um, Like, for instance, for me, it's like right around the wide receiver, like 28, for instance. Uh, These are kind of the wide receivers going in that range, so you can kind of have an idea of what I'm like where i'm coming from um so michael crabtree will fuller uh alshon jeffrey although he's probably going even later now um julian edelman's in that range he's someone who i would draft but then you've got sammy watkins uh, emmanuel sanders um devon funchess jameson crowder robert woods um you know Cooper Cup's in that range, so there's some names in there that I like. Um, typically in that range, actually, it's ironic. That's the range where all the slot receivers that I like are going. Cooper Cup, Jamison Crowder, Emmanuel Sanders, those are all my targets there. Yeah. If I'm if I'm looking in that range, I'm looking at slot wide receivers. Everything else that's going in that range, I don't like. Julian Edelman's the other one, slot wide receiver again. So I think that that's the range where those sneaky slot wide receivers are going to come from. Um, but everybody else in that range, I'm I'm basically passing over.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I think the slot receivers are the value there. I like Emmanuel Sanders a lot this year, man. I do I'm see. Like all I've been drafting Emmanuel, Emmanuel Sanders. Sanders
1: a lot. <laughs> I think that there is a very realistic possibility that Emmanuel Sanders is the best wide receiver on Denver this year. Yeah,
0: I agree. And then behind them, you got what? Uh, Nelson Aguilar, uh, Sterling Shepard kind of guys, uh, Jordy Nelson, Stills. Right. That's kind of the, that range right after.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, I think that those are the guys that are like, you know, high, high upside in yeah. a lot of ways. Um,
0: the guy, the guy a, I keep getting a lot getting. of
1: Kenny Stills. I've been drafting a lot of Nelson.
0: So yeah. Stills is the guy for me in that, in that group, too. I keep getting them and getting him and getting him. It's like the guy just <laughs> I keep grabbing him. And that's in that range. I like him there. Um, I mean,
1: he was a top 24 wide receiver last year. Same thing with Nelson Aguilar. I mean, these are guys that are going in the 40 range, and they were top 24 last year. I I mean, I think it's just something where – You know, there's been so many guys who have now hit and had the the at least one season of being top 24 that it's easy to, you know, have this plethora of wide receivers, which I think might be part of the reason that people are, you know, drafting running back earlier. But I think in that there's a lot of landmines, too. I mean, guys who like, for instance, even uh, I'm looking at Jordy Nelson right here. I I actually I like Jordy Nelson. I mean, in the past, he you know, has had multiple top 24 seasons, but that was with Aaron Rodgers still in the football. I, I'm drafting him. I I think that he has that upside of being able to be a top 24 wide receiver, Um, especially in that offense. I think Oakland is going to throw the ball a decent bit, You know, I, I'll be interested to see, I mean, obviously you're the, you're you're the big Raiders supporter, (laughs) um, but I'll, I'll be really, really interested to see if, if Derek Carr can support both Geordi and Amari for fantasy purposes. Um, but in that range, like we were saying, you know, there's, there's guys that I'm really excited about and there's a lot of guys that I think are landmines, like, uh, you know, a Pierre Garcon, for instance, who's been reliable for many years, but I'm just I'm not drafting. I'm just I'm really terrified that it's just, it's just gonna be the end of his career in a sense and yeah, it it's a it's a weird range.
0: Yeah, I'm done with him too. I want no parts of Mike Williams and in, in, in LA. Um, Benjamin's an interesting thing. Kevin Benjamin, like, way down there, like it's not a bad you know not a bad shot to take i don't think do you think it's a bad shot to take i'm I'm not a yeah i think
1: it's i think it's terrible
0: really yeah. i don't think
1: you've always is. loved Calvin. Benjamin. i
0: always have man i can't shake some guys it's i mean like... i
1: think nathan peterman's gonna be throwing on the football Open. <laughs> oh man <laughs>
0: oh man I've been,
1: I've been telling nathan peterman the whole time in that or that uh that quarterback core and uh yeah i'll be oh my god i'll be laughing if he ends up uh he ends up the starter week one. But, yeah, I don't. I just personally, I would much rather have the you know the wide receiver three four on a prolific offense than I would the wide receiver one on a bad offense because I think that there is more breakout potential. There is more potential for them to just rise to the occasion and become the elite wide receiver on an elite franchise, or to have a situation where the starter under like not necessarily the starter, but you know the number one wide receiver on that offense underperforms or gets injured. I mean, you're already seeing it in a situation like Philadelphia with a guy like Nelson Aguilar, where he's also struggling with injury, but Jeffrey right now is slated to miss at least the first two weeks of the season. If not more, that's going to leave things open for a guy like Aguilar. Interestingly enough, he's much more successful in the slot, getting back to the slot wide receivers in this range than he is on the outside with Jeffrey not there. It might force him more to the outside. So that'll be an interesting thing to monitor. Um, but That that's what's interesting about this range. For me, I'm more gonna gravitate to the second or third wide receiver in a good offense or great offense than the number one wide receiver on a really poor offense.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. And you know, we'll see how these guys shake out. But uh, it's an interesting group. It's an interesting group, and people are gonna take their shots all over here. But you know, we'll see which ones pan out for it. Um, I think that's really all that I wanted to hit on today, man. Well, I'm I'm just excited fantasy football's coming back. I'm excited football's coming back. And we're a week we got one more preseason week and then the, the the it's real deal after that, man. It's all it's all I know. Real then deal. we get to
1: find out all the things we were wrong about. Exactly. <laughs> it's my favorite part of the year.
0: Exactly. It's my favorite
1: part of the year when everything we all thought was gonna happen doesn't happen.
0: exactly <laughs> it's so fun. It is fun. It's so
1: fun. I wanna, we're uh, wrong every year the vast majority of like <laughs> the you know the fantasy football hive mind. Exactly. It happens every year.
0: It it's does. always so much fun though. It is. So I mean, you know, again, we'll have more episodes in the future here like I said at least one a week. You know, we'll bring back some of the old segments that we love, some new segments. Um but we're we're done here for today, Adam. I mean, again, welcome back to everyone, you know, to the fantasy football heads out there. See, the thing with with the podcast is, Adam, you know, because like I said, we do you know, Cloud Dodgers does non-football stuff. So sometimes the listeners are kind of like snowbirdish, man. Like they come for fancy football and they leave for warmer weather and then they come back. And so I never know who's around, who's not around. But, you know, if they listen just for fancy content, it's cool. It's cool. And if they listen to some other stuff, it's awesome also. So, um, so I, I, I say welcome back because sometimes there really is people who just come back during fancy season. Um, so it's funny. It's fun. Um, but other than that, man, I think we covered everything. Um, we'll do this again next week uh and like i said we'll do at least one episode a week but who knows maybe we'll do more i don't know we'll see what what, what we have in store but other than that man i don't got nothing else to say i don't got nothing else to leave do you have anything that we didn't touch on or that you want to drop on wisdom here besides you know how much you love chris warren and you know you hope everybody keeps an eye on him just this last week of of, of preseason is there anything else you have to say
1: Nah, just the raiders are going to go under eight and eight
0: no (laughs) see you you can't do that you can't do that when you just said how good the offense was going to be you can't do that man you just said it. You just said that you have two I, I top don't 24 receivers. Said. Didn't you say that?
1: No, uh, I uh, mean, I don't think that's what I said. You said Marshawn Lynch is uh.
0: a fifth-round value. You said Jordy could finish in the top 24, depending on how Derek Carr plays. I mean, that sounds like a team you believe in.
1: Hmm, uh, maybe. Yeah, it could. But, Fantasy mm, has exposed
0: your Raider hate. It's not real. <laughs> it's not real, and you have a bet, and you're going to lose, and so it's kind of weird, but... If you hate me that much, you want to see me lose that bad, that's fine. But I, I fantasy maybe, has exposed. Maybe, I, Neil, I've dragged you is. out.
1: Maybe it's actually a win-win in the sense that if the Raiders win, I get to be happy because you're happy. And yeah. if the Raiders lose, I get to be happy because I get your money.
0: For some reason, I don't believe that. And <laughs> this episode, I have calculatedly dragged. Calculatedly? That's not a real word. I have mm-hmm. calculated and dragged you out throughout the whole episode, throwing little Raider things in there to hear you rave about them just to be like wait don't you hate them how's that possible <laughs> is it possible to like love them from a fantasy perspective but they hate them for real i don't think that makes sense so you're you've exposed yourself my my mission is complete that's all i really <laughs> wanted to achieve this episode no advice no anything i just wanted to, to expose your raider love all, all right, right we, george done w
1: it. put up the mission accomplished <laughs> <laughs> we've done it adam
0: we've done it but adam as always man be kind be great keep dying.